0: Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Dear friends, as Christians, everything we are. Everything we have, everything we anticipate, depends solely on God's undeserved forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Absolutely everything. Forgiveness is the reason that Jesus came into the world. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1 verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness is what God offers us freely and undeservedly through the means of grace, the gospel, baptism, the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The authority of the Christian church to forgive and retain sins is an authority from Christ himself. John chapter 20 Then Jesus breathed on his disciples, breath as symbolic of life and the life-giving spirit. Or as Luther said, where there is forgiveness, there is life and salvation. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. So because God so daily and richly forgives all of us, we ought to... um, What? The answer is obvious, isn't it? The answer flows from the cross of Christ. Because God forgives us, we should forgive others too. Forgiven, we are to be forgiving. And these two principles in Scripture are inextricably linked. Forgiven and forgiving. Jesus taught this connection in the Lord's Prayer when he said, Forgive us our trespasses as we then forgive those who trespass against us. And the connection is certainly evident in today's text, Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. But does that mean that forgiving another person is always easy? No, at times it's very hard. C.S. Lewis once wrote that forgiveness is a wonderful word until we have something to forgive. There are so many obstacles that can lie in the way of forgiving another person. One of those obstacles is the size of an injury. Sometimes in life, we can be hurt so deeply, we can lose so much and have so much taken away that we just can't imagine forgiving another person. And if it's not the size of an injury, then it's the ongoing consequences. In 1978, I seriously injured my left knee playing City League basketball in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. And the result was surgery and then three months in a cast. Now let me tell you that the injury was 43 years ago, but I still feel the consequences on cold winter days. And emotional injuries work exactly in the same way. And if it's not the consequences of an injury, then maybe it's the frequency, the number of times we are hurt by someone else. Now, how many times am I going to tell you not to do that? How many times are you going to do the same foolish thing? Does that sound familiar? Well, remember the words of Peter to Jesus. Peter said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And there isn't anyone here today who would not think that forgiving the same person seven times for the same seven misdeeds would be anything less than an act of extreme generosity until Jesus said, no, Peter, not seven times, 70 times seven. And certainly our old sinful nature stands in the way of our willingness to forgive, As Christians, we are not controlled by the old nature. We're led by the Spirit of God. But that old nature is with us, warring against all that is good and godly, including God's good directive to forgive as we ourselves have been forgiven. So there are many obstacles to forgiving. But nowhere does God say, Forgive if you want to. Nowhere does he say, Forgive if you're in the mood. Nowhere does he say, forgive someone if you think that person is worth the time and the effort and the compassion. He just says, forgive. And sometimes that directive is in the form of a warm, loving encouragement, such as the one in today's text. Be kind to one another and tender hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, but sometimes this takes the form of a stern admonition, as in the parable of the unmerciful servant. I read Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me to, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Can you imagine how Simon Peter, whose question about forgiveness prompted that parable, how he must have gulped, When Jesus concluded the parable with these words, So my heavenly Father will also do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. From his heart, Jesus said. What does that mean? That means heartfelt forgiveness. That means genuine forgiveness and not pretend forgiveness. And in my understanding, there are three elements that really go into forgiving from the heart. And they are the power to forgive, the willingness to forgive, and an understanding of how to forgive. And thankfully, all three of these are found in the way that God forgives each of us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So very briefly, first, the strength to forgive Well, it's a sinful world, isn't it? And accidentally, or even deliberately, we all hurt other people. And we are all hurt by other people. And the time will come when we will find ourselves without the power to forgive. We don't have the power. But God does. And if you are struggling today to forgive someone, maybe a parent or a sibling or a classmate or a co-worker or a friend or a complete stranger, I can promise you this, that God never asks us to do anything without first empowering us to do it. And that includes the power to forgive. Notice something very important about Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Before addressing even one matter of Christian behavior, how to live or act or speak, how to treat a spouse, how to raise a child, how to resist temptation, and yes, how to forgive another human being, before any of that, Paul devoted three entire chapters to emphasizing all the blessings that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in those three chapters... We keep finding the same connection and the same prepositions of Christ, to Christ, from Christ, through Christ, with Christ, for Christ. Why is he telling us that? Because the power to forgive does not come from within us. It comes from a connection to our Lord. Well, second, the willingness to forgive and that That parable that Jesus told about the unmerciful servant, of course, the unmerciful servant had the power. It was within his power to forgive his fellow servant. But he didn't do it. And the reason he didn't do it was not because he lacked the power, but because he lacked the willingness. And the reason he lacked the willingness was because he lacked an appreciation for how much he himself had been forgiven. And so I ask you... How much have each of us been forgiven? How much are we forgiven by God every day? And how much did that forgiveness cost our Savior? When we can stand beneath the cross of Jesus and see him there and answer those questions, will we not all find the willingness to forgive others? And finally, an understanding of how to forgive. How do we do that? And here, too, the example is the way God forgives us in Christ. So, how does God forgive us? God's forgiveness is complete. He never drudges up the past. He doesn't keep a record of right or wrong, as the psalmist said, If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. That you may be feared or reverenced. And God's forgiveness has nothing to do with the worthiness of its object. None of us are worthy. It has everything to do with the abundance of his grace. And so Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 2: By grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Or As God himself said in Isaiah chapter 43, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and no longer remembers your sins. And God's forgiveness is without limit. He never runs out, nor should we. Bless the Lord, O my soul, said the psalmist, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And what's the very first benefit that he mentioned? Who forgives all your iniquities. Perhaps there is no better way to summarize today's meditation from Ephesians than with Martin Luther's explanation of the fifth petition. In his small catechism, he said, We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look upon our sins, nor on their account deny our prayers, for we are worthy of none of the things for which we pray, neither have we deserved them, but that he would grant them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much, and indeed deserve nothing but punishment. So we will also heartily forgive from the heart and readily do good to those who sin against us. Amen. Our hymn is number 388. 388, stanzas 5 and 6.